This morning, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. He is risen. He is risen indeed. You know, this morning we are gathered together for corporate worship, but I really hope that each one of you who's here this morning, after you leave here, and maybe even before you came here, uh, your worship goes beyond these four walls, uh, and that you're able to worship uh, not even just when you're in church, but also when you're out and on your own. You know, this morning as I got up, I get up early on Sunday mornings before I come in here to church, and I was just thinking about the sights and sounds of Easter morning, and, and we're going to actually talk about that because our text this morning points us to those things. But as I was sitting there in our kitchen, just the sights and sounds, it was dark outside, it was quiet. I heard a rooster crowing somewhere, (laughs) which reminded me of some of the things that we came through during this past week, right? As we celebrated Good Friday, uh, Peter denying Christ three times before the rooster crowed. Um, And in our kitchen, there was actually this amazing uh, reminder of what happened this morning. I want to show you a picture. Actually, I want to give uh, tell our children's director, Amy Gex, thank you for something she did last week. She sent home with all of our kids something called a resurrection garden. So let me show you a picture of this. This was on our table. Uh, The kids put this together. It's something that Amy sent home, and they watered all these little seeds, put a tomb in there. And then guess what? This morning, the stone was rolled away. There's a little closer shot of it. So a great reminder as I sat there and and ate my breakfast of just this reminder of new life, the things that are sprouting up, and the tomb is open, the tomb is empty, he is risen, he is risen indeed. So this morning as we continue in our text, I want us to just think about the sights and sounds of Easter morning, Uh, because really that's what our text in Matthew does. For those of you who uh, don't come here regularly, first of all, we're glad you're here, but we've been going this spring through a series in the book of Matthew. And we got to about Matthew 6, and now we're jumping all the way forward to Matthew 28 because it's the resurrection story. And so we're going to look at Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. And one of the main points in Matthew in the book of Matthew is that Jesus is our King. And as we're going to see again, as we've seen so many times, as many of you have experienced, He's a King unlike any other King. And so this morning, we want to read what, what these verses tell us about Him and about the sights and sounds of that first Easter Sunday. So if you have a Bible, follow along as we read it, or you can look at the screen and and just follow along there as I read these verses. So Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10 says this. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. And verse 6, this is one of the key verses in all of Scripture. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then verse 7, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and behold, he is going before you into Galilee and there you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and they ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. 
Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is Matthew 28, 1 through 10. This is the word of the Lord. Now, when we read these verses, that's the account of the first Easter morning. It was a Sunday morning. Um, and what we notice, first of all, in these verses is that there is something to see. Something to see. And what do I mean by that? Let me actually show you, it's, it's more of a screenshot, the, the, the print on this slide is going to be too small for you to read, but look at how many words in this text have to do with seeing or seen or revealing um, or seeking to see. I think there's at least seven times where it says, see this, look at that, you came to see this. God wants us to see something this morning in this text. And before that, he wanted these women to see something. And so there's something to see in these first several verses. If we start looking at them here in the first uh, verse, it says, After the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. There's an interesting thing going on here in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that the first people to discover that Jesus has been resurrected are women. For some reason, God chose to reveal this fact to women first, and then he sends them out to share the message. It's amazing because in that day and time, women would not have been regarded as as uh, credible witnesses, if you will. In fact, uh, only men could serve as witnesses in trial. And so for God to say, I want these to be the first eyewitnesses is something significant. He's saying, I want to give this message to people who I love and people who I value. And what does it say? It says they came to see the tomb. So they were they came to look at the tomb. And what did they expect to see? They expected to see a graveyard. Uh, and what do you see in graveyards? A bunch of headstones. Or in those days, they actually had tombs with stones covering up the entrances. So they came expecting to see a tomb that was sealed up, uh, sealed with a heavy stone. Imagine what they would have been thinking about. Again, these are people we know who walked with Jesus for the last several years. They were best friends with him. They had seen him heal the sick, raise the dead, um, give incredible teaching. And then suddenly on Friday, he was murdered. So you can imagine how sad they would have been, how troubled they would have been, how confused they would have been. Here they thought he was the one who was going to save the whole world. And now he's buried in the ground, in a tomb. It says here, they went to see the tomb. But you see, as you know from reading these verses, God had other plans. He wanted them to see something other than a sealed up tomb. So what did they see? Just look through these verses with me. It says, behold, or pay attention, look. There was a great earthquake. For behold... An angel of the Lord descended from heaven and rolled back the stone and sat on it. So they saw an earthquake. And then what did they see? They saw an angel standing there. Look at how it's described. It says he was white. Uh, his clothes were like lightning. His appearance was like lightning. And his clothing was as white as snow. Again, so this is Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, just trying to grasp for words to describe what this angelic being looked like. White as lightning, as bright as lightning. You ever seen a person like that? Not in real life, right? Um, so it caught their attention, no doubt. So they noticed this angel. But maybe even more importantly, the stone was rolled away. Okay? The tomb is open and the angel is sitting on that stone. 
So that's what they see. That would catch their attention, right? It says they saw this, they noticed this. Behold. Well, the next thing that they see is verse 4. For fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. I don't miss the irony of that statement. That here in the garden, in this cemetery, the actually the only people who are alive, the people who are separated from Jesus by unbelief, are actually like dead men. They're the only living people in the entire cemetery other than, other than these women. And they have become like dead men. Partly because they were so afraid. But like I said, there's great irony. Anyone who does not have faith in Christ, we're going to look at this a little later, is like a dead person. So here they are. They see these living people who become like dead men. And then verse 6. Verse 5, the angel says to the woman, do not be afraid. I know that you came to seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. You know, when we think about these things that they came to see, you know, there's one thing that happened this week out here in our lobby, right here at the church. I, was, I came in, I think, on Monday morning, and I heard this beeping sound. And, uh, and it kept beeping over and over again and kept trying to figure out where's this coming from? Is it coming from in here in the sound booth? No. I went over by the coffee maker. I thought maybe it's like not unplugged or something. No, that wasn't it. Uh, I went and looked at the fire alarm. It wasn't beeping. Finally, I figured out what it was. Uh, it was our AED. Does anybody know what that is? Our, our, I looked it up. I had to look up what AED stands for. Automated external defibrillator device. Okay? So it's one of those things that if somebody has a heart attack, you hook it onto them and it can shock their heart back into rhythm again. Um, and so it's wonderful we have one of those, but it turns out it had expired and so the alarm was going off. Uh, don't worry everyone, we've, we've got another one that just hasn't arrived yet. Um, and so uh, it's on its way. But when these women saw this empty tomb, this empty tomb, when the angel said, look in there, he's not there. It's not that he was raised uh, by AED. We know it couldn't have happened. He'd been in there for two days. There's only one explanation according to Scripture as to how Jesus came to leave that tomb. And that's through the power of God. Through the power of God. It says they came to see that sealed and empty, st- empty tomb. There, that sealed stone tomb. And instead, the angel says, he is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. So they came to look at a tomb that was sealed up. Instead, they saw a tomb that was empty. You know, when we think about this this morning, put yourself in the shoes of those women who came to the tomb. And I have to ask you this morning, what did you come here to see? What did you come to see? What are you looking at? Because they came to look at that tomb that was sealed up. They wanted to pay their respects to the, to the dead person who was in the tomb. And so this morning, um, I think we realized they came to the tomb looking for that stone that was sealing the door. They expected to see that. Their eyes were fixed on the grave. Their eyes were fixed on that heavy stone. In fact, in one of the other gospels, they were talking on the way to the tomb saying, how are we going to roll that stone back so we can uh, uh, put spices on the body? They were focused on death because they believed that Jesus had died. Indeed, he had died. So this morning, I would say this. When you come to church on Easter Sunday, what are you looking at? Because it's easy to come in these doors not really thinking about the resurrection. You might have your eyes focused on something else, on a heavy stone in your life. Something that's 
symbolizes death. It could be illness. I know we have several in our church family who are battling cancer or who have battled cancer or ongoing illnesses that are still there years after years after years. Or COVID, the whole pandemic. Are your eyes focused on that? Are you looking at illness? Sometimes our eyes are focused on difficult circumstances. You know, you lose a job. There's not enough money to pay the bills. You're not sure what the next day will hold. And so sometimes you come in and your eyes are looking at those circumstances. Sometimes our eyes are focused on broken relationships. You know, if you've lived long enough at all, you know you can have broken friendships. You can have broken families, broken marriages. Broken relationships between parents and children. And so if you come in here this morning with your eyes looking at those things, or even more, like those women in the, in the first Easter, your eyes are focused on death. Perhaps you've actually lost someone who's close to you, and you're here and you're sad about that. If your eyes are fixed on the grave, on the heavy stone in death, realize that this morning God wants you to see and so wants you to focus on something different. Because I'm convinced this morning... And not just this morning, every day, God wants us to see the risen Jesus. He wants us to see the empty tomb, just like those ladies did on the first Easter so many years ago. God wants us to focus on the risen Lord. And that gives us hope in all things. You know, God doesn't promise that if you are a believer or if you follow the Lord, that all those difficult things are going to go away. They're still there. But God says, put your focus primarily on the risen Lord, the one who can give you hope to endure all those things, the one who can give you hope for all eternity. All who know him have eternal life. Look at this verse, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. It says this, But in fact, but in fact Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. He's the first one who was raised from the dead through the power of the Father. So when we come back to this question about something to see, I have to ask again, what are you looking at this morning? And I think on Easter Sunday, it reminds us that not only on Easter, but every day, God wants us to focus on the risen Lord and remember that he is risen. He is risen indeed. There's something to see here. It's the empty tomb. It's the risen Lord. God's power is on display at Easter in a way like no other day in the history of the world. And that brings us hope. If God can raise a dead man, raise himself from the dead, he can do anything. Ephesians 1, uh, this idea of seeing, uh, Paul talks about how I want the eyes of your heart to be enlightened. In other words, he wants you to see this, to understand it in your inner being. Not just something you see and think about, but you actually experience it. Ephesians 1 verse 18 says this, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, so that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. The great incomparable power of God. We see that most powerfully in the resurrection. That that which was dead has come alive again. 
and brings new life to anyone who will trust in him. But that brings us to our second point from this text this morning. The first thing we want to notice is something to see. God says, I want you to see what's happening here. Pay attention. Focus on the right things. But he also says there's something to hear. You know, anytime in Scripture that you read and you see people speaking, uh, especially uh, if it's Jesus himself speaking, you better pay attention to what those words are. And so we want to hear what Jesus said to those women uh, and what he says to us along with them here this morning. So there's, first of all, a message from the angel. You notice that the angel speaks to the women and then Jesus himself speaks to the women. And so let's look at what that message was from the angel. Uh, look at verse 20, uh, in chapter 28, verse um, 5. It says, but the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Now you'll remember this maybe. Maybe you remember this. Back at the very beginning of Matthew, when Jesus was not even born yet, an angel appeared to Joseph, his earthly father, You know what the first words out of the angel's mouth were? Do not fear. Do not be afraid. God sent an angel at the beginning of Jesus' life, and now here he sends an angel just after the end of Jesus' life with the same message. Do not fear. You don't have to be afraid. Why is that so important? Well, for these ladies, these women who came to the garden, they were afraid because... This innocent person had just been put to death. The one who they thought was going to save the world is now buried in the ground until they see the empty tomb. So they would have been very afraid. And they also would have said, where has he gone? Where has he gone? The angel says, do not be afraid. Back in Matthew chapter 1, let me read these verses. Verse 20, it says, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now for these women, if they remember back to that, Jesus' name literally means the one who saves. He saves. And what did he do on Good Friday? He laid down his life willingly to pay for their sins. And so now the angel can say, do not be afraid. Look at verse, uh, back again at verse uh, 5. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He was crucified. It's a reality. Jesus was crucified, and the angel doesn't even have to say he was crucified and then he died. Because everyone in those days would know that if you're crucified, you're dead. You can't survive crucifixion. Especially not in the way that Jesus experienced it. And they, we know uh, that the, angel, the soldiers pierced his side and there was evidence of death. So that's the reality. But verse 6, the angel says, guess what? There's a new reality. He is not here, for he is risen, just as he said. You know, that first phrase, he is not here. The, the, the women would have said, well, that's obvious. I mean, he's not here. Thank you for clarifying. You know, he was not in the tomb. But it's that next phrase that's the key phrase. It says, he has risen. In other words, a miracle has happened. This person who was dead, who was crucified, is now alive again. And that's what we believe as Christians. That's the heart of our faith. That the man, the Messiah, God, the Son of God was killed and is now alive again. 
And then the third thing the angel says there is, as he said. In other words, this is a fulfillment of what Jesus predicted. Look at these verses from Matthew chapter 20. Actually, three times in the book of Matthew, Jesus says, I'm going to be killed, and then on the third day I'll rise again. It says, see, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. When we read those descriptions earlier in Matthew, remember, this is before it happens. Jesus knows exactly what's going to happen. There's two amazing things about this. One is it says the disciples were troubled. Um, they're troubled that Jesus is going to have to suffer these things. It's like they completely missed that last little phrase. He'll be raised on the third day. So that's amazing. But the other thing that's amazing is if Jesus said it three times, he knew without a doubt that this is what was going to happen. And he did it on purpose. He did it willingly because he loved us. This is what love is. 1 John 4.10 In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That means he took our place. He died when we should have been the ones who died. So there's something to hear in these verses. The last thing the angel says to these women is in verse 7, Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him. Did you catch what the angel said there? Go and tell this good news to the others. Tell them how they can see Jesus. That's the job the angel gives them. It's the job that God gives them through his special messenger, this angel. And it says... They ran off, uh, they departed with fear and great joy. But then that brings us to another message. And it's really very similar to the first one that the angel gave, because again, the angel was speaking a message from God. But Jesus himself shows up. Now, can you imagine this for a moment? My father died 15 years ago, okay? So I've been to the cemetery many times to see his grave uh, in the grave of my grandparents. And, you know, a lot of my family's in the same cemetery. Can you imagine showing up to visit the grave of a loved one? And there they are to have a conversation with you. I mean, you, you really can't even imagine that. That just doesn't seem possible. In fact, it's not possible, but for the power of God. And so Jesus says to them, it says, Jesus met them. Verse 9, and said, greetings. Now here's something I don't want us to miss. Jesus wants to meet with you just like he met with them. And you might say, yeah, yeah, Marcus. Well, if he would show up on the stage right with you, sure, I'd meet with him then. But he's nowhere to be seen. I can't see him. Jesus has something to say about that too. He calls that faith. Believing in things that you can't see because they're true. So Jesus' first word to them is greetings. And really that word could be translated as grace or joy. Uh, In other words, grace I give to you. Remember a lot of the New Testament, that's the first words of of the book. It says grace and peace to you. And so Jesus shows up here and says grace to you. I greet you with grace and joy. So he gives them greetings. And this morning I would say he says the same thing to you. And then the next phrase, it's that same phrase again. They came and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. 
Brothers and sisters, there's a message here that we don't want to miss this morning. Jesus says to you directly, and he said it through the angel, fear not. You don't have to be afraid because Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. Do not be afraid. The question is, what are you afraid of this morning? Is it some of those other things I listed off earlier, the things we focus on, the fears, uh, the obstacles we have to an easy life? God says you don't have to be afraid of those things. They're real and they're a challenge, but you don't have to fear them because something else is greater. And that's the resurrection power we can receive through Jesus Christ. So he says, do not be afraid. Another thing he says to them, same thing, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. There's so much in that phrase. But again, he says to those women, go and tell. You've received the good news. Don't keep it to yourself. Go and tell others how they can see Jesus. Because remember, there's something important that we need to see and that everyone around us needs to see. And that is the risen Lord and the power that he brings into our life. So go and tell. Go and tell others how to see Jesus. Share this good news. Help others to hear. Now, when you think about it this morning, you see that phrase, there's something to hear in this story, a message from Jesus. My question for you this morning is, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Because there's a lot of voices out there that can strike fear in your heart. You know, listen to the news. Read what your friends are saying on Facebook. Uh, you know, fill in the blank. There's a lot of voices that can fill your head with a lot of racket. But the important thing, the most important thing, this is what we're reminded of on Easter, is listen to the Savior. Listen to what Jesus says to you. Jesus says to you, greetings. He says, fear not. And he says, if you have this good news, go and tell others. Don't keep this to yourself. Which brings us to our last point. We have something to see, something to hear. And then lastly, in this passage, we have someone to embrace. Okay, This is a real person, and we have someone that we can embrace. And I would say this is our response. When you look at the Easter story, and you look at what happened all those years ago, you read these verses, and you're saying, okay, what a great story. Sounds good. God wants you to walk away from here by embracing Jesus. Embracing his son. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's what it means to embrace him. is to believe in him. To trust him. And there's a picture here I want to show you. This is a picture of what one author's rendering of what it would look like to embrace Jesus. And I don't know about you, but there's many days where I would say, I can't wait to get a hug from Jesus. And we will one day. Notice that nail scar in his hand, if you can see it. But God tells us that we can embrace Jesus and he will embrace us if we embrace him through faith, through faith. To see there's someone we can embrace. And I want us to understand some of these key words that this whole story tells us. Okay, This whole story tells us four words. We are called to embrace each one of these words. The first word is grace. 
Grace is this idea of receiving something that you don't believe. Or not that you don't believe, that you don't deserve. Receiving something that you don't deserve. That's God's grace. He freely offers you forgiveness from your sins and the gift of eternal life. Not because you earned it. In fact, quite the opposite. Scripture tells us while we were still sinners, that's when Christ died for us. Uh, Ephesians 2 says it's by grace you are saved. It's not of yourselves so that no one can boast, not of works so that no one can boast. So grace means that God gives us undeserved favor. Second word is love. We see this in the Easter story. Jesus laid down his life as a sacrifice in your place. He died knowing he'd be buried in the tomb, completely dead. He did that so he could pay for the sins that you had done. Because we know from Scripture, the wages of sin is death. He received the death that we all deserve. He did that because he loves us. We celebrated on Thursday night that third word, forgiveness. We know that because Jesus' blood was shed, it can wash away all your sins. And no longer do you need to fear death or have the penalty of death, but you can be forgiven. And that last word is eternal life. Receive the promise of eternal life, guaranteed by the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Jesus Christ conquered death. 1 Corinthians 15 says, Then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. God promises eternal life to anyone who embraces Jesus. And we do that by understanding we're broken. We can receive this gift from God free of charge. He gives us love. He gives us forgiveness and eternal life through Jesus Christ alone. That's how you embrace him by faith. Embrace him by faith. Embrace these words, but even more importantly, embrace the one who demonstrates these words. Jesus Christ came to give us grace, to give us love, to give us forgiveness, and to give us eternal life. And it's through him alone that you can do that. How do you have faith in him? By telling him. Tell him that you believe in him alone. And then believe in your heart that he's the only one who can save you. He's the only one who can. The songs we've sang this morning really drive home all these things together. But when I look at these verses here in Matthew 28, the bottom line is this. Dead things come back to life in the Easter story. Ephesians 2 tells us that apart from Christ, you are dead. I was dead. You were dead. If you don't know Christ, you are dead. But guess what? The message of Easter is that through Jesus, you can be made alive again. And I would ask you, don't leave this room until you have embraced Jesus, embraced him alone, trusted him alone to save you from your sin. Come talk to me about it after church if you'd like to, or talk to someone else you know here. Uh, But don't miss this chance to embrace him by faith. And then for those of you who have already done that, did you see the picture in here of what happens in verse 9? It says, they came up, took hold of his feet, And they worshiped him. So every time you worship him, you're embracing him, giving him thanks and praise for what he has done for you. In fact, we're going to do that again just in a moment.
Apart from Christ, we are dead. But if you embrace Christ, you will live forever. You know, there's a story uh, that I recently watched with my kids. Uh, there's a movie called Unbroken. Uh, some of you may have seen it. It's the story of Louis Zamperini. He was a famous Olympic athlete who joined the Air Force in World War II. Actually, his plane crashed in the Pacific, and he survived something like 45 days adrift at sea, had to fight off sharks, only to arrive at a Japanese-occupied island. So then he got thrown into prison and was beaten and tortured by uh, Japanese soldiers for months. So his story is amazing, just the fact that he survived that stuff. But then when he came home from the war and he got back to California, where he's from, uh, we, we read these stories that he began to have nightmares about his time uh, there in, in Japan. And these nightmares began, I'm going to read some of this, they plagued him long after he returned home to California. The nightmares were every night, he said. I couldn't get rid of it. And time was not healing his wounds. It was making them worse. In fact, one night he woke up. He, he was dreaming that he was strangling one of his prison guards who he hated. And he woke up. He was strangling his wife. Okay? And so things were getting really bad. And she said, I'm moving out. I'm getting a divorce. After surviving so much during the war, Zamperini was about to lose everything. But that's when a turning point came. A concerned neighbor invited his wife to the Billy Graham crusade taking place in a Los Angeles tent. She accepted the invitation and then she accepted Jesus Christ. Now, Louis wanted no part of Christianity, but his heart softened when his wife said, I no longer want a divorce. So he agreed to go with her. And actually, the first night they went to this tent, he stormed out and said, I don't want anything to do with that. But for some reason, he went back the next day. And on that day, it says, Billy Graham quoted some verses and they went straight to Zamperini's heart. And he said, I had many near-death experiences. But when I heard those verses for the first time, my life passed before my eyes and I saw an ugly life. Yes, I had a lot of great times, a lot of great experiences and a lot of escapes from death. But I still didn't like my life after the war. It was terrible. In other words, it was still empty. That night... In Los Angeles, California, Zamperini went forward and accepted Christ. He embraced Christ and trusted him. And the biggest miracle of his life was set in motion. He said, that was the first night in all those years I had never had a nightmare, and I haven't had one since. If you read the rest of his story, he goes on to learn how to forgive those people who abused him. And he goes on to forgive them with the love that Jesus gave him and the forgiveness that Jesus gave him. I tell that story because it's a powerful example of someone embracing Christ, someone who was dead and they came alive. And I know actually many of you have told me your stories. Some of you, before you knew Christ, were dead and getting closer to death every day. And then you met Christ and he set you free from the sin that would destroy you. And so I thank God for that. And I pray that anyone here who hasn't done that would remember that on Easter Sunday, as we celebrate that Jesus is risen, you too can be made alive. Pray that you would see the risen Christ. I pray that you would hear the risen Christ and that you would embrace the risen Christ. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back on stage and then uh, we're going to pray to close and then sing one more song to celebrate this amazing truth of how Jesus sets us free. So will you bow with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the chance that we have to trust you. 
God, I thank you for what we can see in this story, what we can hear in this story. And God, I pray that everyone would walk out of this room embracing you and trusting you for all eternity. God, I thank you for the work of your son, Jesus Christ, and the power that he brings. It's in his name we pray. Amen.